Thanks for staying with us here on Money FM 89.3. We spoke earlier to Jason Della Pena and his wife Amrita Della Pena in our Power Couples segment. But now we're going to talk about Jason Della Pena, the cricketer, who's now a broadcaster for Fox <laughs> Sports Asia. And Jason, look, I'm, I'm a former club cricketer, as you know, and I always admire anyone who's uh, been able to play at uh, first class level. Uh, tell us about your journey uh, growing up and, and you know, getting to play professional cricket. Well, uh, Jason, yeah, good to see you again, and thanks for the time on on Money FM. Um, so I started. I was my parents were getting divorced when I was seven, so they sent me off to boarding school to keep me away from this horrible divorce they were going through. And I just got involved in cricket at the age of seven, and then it was literally love at first sight with me and a cricket ball, and I, and I bowled a ball, and I think I got a wicket with my first delivery, and then. From the age of seven, all I wanted to do was become a professional cricketer. I turned pro at 16, made my uh, first-class debut at 17, um, and then played against the then England captain, and then he got me into the England junior setup. And, and who um, was that England captain at that time? A guy called Graham Gooch. Oh, yes, yeah, yes. So my, my first-class debut was against a team called Essex. Uh, I mean, we got thrashed in the game, but um, I bowled against Graham Gooch, and he, he called... Uh, one of the guys in the England set up and said, we need to get this kid in because he's he's talented. And how and old were you then? Uh, I was, it was a few days before my first A-level, my first major exam in, mm-hmm. in, uh, in England. And so I was 17. 17 yeah, yeah. Yeah. So like you're a tall guy. I think, what are you, about 6'5"? Six, 6'5", five? Six, five, but shrinking by the day. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we all do that as yeah. we get older. Yeah. Uh, so physically, uh, did you have the attributes for sports uh, when you were growing up? Or mm. Was it something that just uh, clicked with, with you for cricket? Yeah, and also academically, I wasn't interested. I was really good at French and English and Spanish. I was, you know, coming from a kind of international family, so I was good at languages, terrible at maths, physics, mm. chemistry, and sport was the thing that that gave me a real buzz. And and I was I was pretty natural at it. I my second boarding school from thirteen to eighteen, I got a sports scholarship, and that was for cricket, for golf, for rugby, for right. um, and you know. Um, so yeah, my my physical attributes were perfect for cricket at, at a time. I had to I had to choose. Um, at around 13, 14, and uh, it was it was going to be cricket. Um, and like I previously said, said you know, I, I, I wanted to be- become a professional cricketer, and I was crushing it. At school mm. level, I was crushing mm. it. It's, it's only when you get to professional level when all the other kids are as big as you and are as good as you, that's when you really need to knuckle down and start working super hard. Yeah, we should say that, you know, being tall like you are and, and strong is very good for being a fast bowler because mm. uh, being a tall, fast bowler is an advantage. You're coming from a higher height. Uh, so, mm. yeah, talk about that next step to get into professional cricket. So the next step was, yeah, at the age of 16, 17, I got picked up uh, by a county side, Gloucestershire, which is where my, um, after my parents got divorced, I was living with my my mother. She had custody over me. And uh, so I represented Gloucestershire. I got taken on a, a tour to Namibia mm. uh, for their independence. That was in, what, 90 or 91. And we played against the Namibian professional team, a lot of South African players there. And then came back in the summer, and like I said, I was doing my A-levels, I was doing my final exams at my boarding school, and then, and then made my first-class debut. But it was, a, it was a very easy transition. There was nothing different. I'd, I'd kind of got through on talent alone, and then... When it got difficult was when you realized that, geez, you know, everybody's better than me now and <laughs> yeah. then I need to start yeah. working hard, you know. We're speaking to Jason De La Pena, Fox Sports Asia presenter, former professional cricket player. We should explain to the audience that, you know, county cricket in England is a very big deal. Uh, it's something that happens right throughout the summer, mm. right throughout the country. can be quite lucrative, uh, especially if you get um, an international call-up. And it's such a 
fabric of life there, isn't it? Mm. Uh, county cricket in different parts of the UK. You're in Gloucestershire in the western part of England. Uh, but you struggled with injury. Tell us about the injuries yeah. that you had because you had the natural gifts. You were a f- yeah. pretty quick, fast bowler. and always looking for quick, tall, fast bowlers. But yeah. some of the challenges that you faced. Yeah, I mean... Uh, I was very tall. And, you know, when you're 16, 17, you're tall, but there's not a huge amount of muscle on your body. And and with fast bowling, like a javelin thrower in athletics, Mm. there's a lot of twisting of the upper body and the lower body. There's a lot of hyperextension of the spine. There's a lot of uh, body weight Um, when you deliver the ball or when you deliver the javelin. There's a huge, there's something like 10 or 20 times your body weight going through the bottom of your foot, Mm -hmm. up through down the back of your hamstring into the base of your back. And then your back is is twisted and contorted, and then you're delivering the ball at at a, a significant speed, which is what I did. So I got a stress fracture of L4, L5, which was Stress the, fracture, wow. Yeah. Mm. Um, and, <clears throat> excuse me, I was out of the game for about a year, and I was sent to a top physio rehab center called Lillishall, where a lot of the uh, footballers go. I was there with Paul Gascoigne. John Barnes was wow. there as well. Mel Sage, who was representing Derby County at the, at the time. What year was that? Uh, that was 91, I think. Right. And the physios there, who were meant to be the best, they said, you're never going to bowl again. And you were you, 19 years old, yeah, 18, 19 18, years old. 18, 19. 19 yeah. um, to which my physio back at Gloucestershire said, absolute rubbish. You come back, um, you, you know, you're not going to play cricket, but you're going to swim in the morning, then you're going to do heavy weights in the afternoon. You're going to do that for six months. We're going to crush the training. Mm. You're going to be, we're going to rebuild you. You're going to be like Robocop when you come <laughs> back. And, and he was right. But that that reminds me, you know, physiotherapists, it's so opinionated. One physio mm, can say one mm-hmm. thing, the other one can say, and this, I'm not dissing physios. I love yeah. you physios. You got me back walking. But yeah, um, yeah I had big injury problems and uh, that stress fracture of the back still, still, troubles me today, but I know how to, you know, build up the muscles around it. So. Well, that's quite traumatic when you're a teenager and you're trying to make it in your professional sporting mm. career and that happens to you. So how did you battle through and what kind of journey was it for you? How did I battle through? Well, at the time I was at Gloucestershire and my physio, uh, he was getting me fit and he said, you know, what those top physios said, absolute rubbish, you're going to be bowling again. And I was training with a guy called Sid Lawrence who was representing England and he snapped his kneecap in half on him. tour yes, in New yes. Zealand. Yeah. So he and I would train together and Sid was this huge guy, you know, uh, used to guy, be heavy, he? yeah, mm. heavy weights and strong as a lion. And he was great for my confidence and he kind of took me under his wing mm. And acted as a bit of a mentor to me. So that's that really helped. And then I came back a year later and played against Australia. Got mm-hmm. five wickets against the Aussies. Mm-hmm. Uh, Steve Ward, David Boone. That must have been a big thrill. Yeah, they great. were the dominant team at that time. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That was the, the series where Shane Warne, and that was the tour where yeah. Shane Warne made his name and burst onto the scene. And 1993, took the right? That's right. Mm. Um, so that's how I kind of got through it. Um, you know, it, it was important to me because I didn't have a father figure, but I, I looked to the senior players, the likes of Sid Lawrence and my physio, a guy called Chris Bardsley, for for mentorship, really. Uh, my mum didn't really know what to say. I was uh, There were some pretty dark days, mm. absolutely. You know, mm. I was pretty depressed and I was like, God, am I ever going to play cricket again? This game that I live for and I love, that's all I want to do. Um, but the the guys, the senior players and stuff down at the down at the county um, were guiding lights for me. Mm, so you moved to other counties, didn't you, throughout your career mm. to get opportunities? Tell us about the next part of your cricket career. Yeah, so left Gloucestershire. I got tempted by the bright lights in the big city of London, and mm. I went to Surrey County Cricket Club, who were a major club, lots of money, Test match ground. The the Oval is a 
is a famous cricket ground um, around the world, and it holds about thirty, I think, thirty-two thousand people. So, and lots of famous uh, fans like John Major, the yeah, former British lo- Prime Minister. Absolutely, lots of famous fans, and you know, yeah, you have rock I was, stars, celebrities turning up there, yeah, right? Mick Jagger would yeah. always come and watch, and he'd come and see the players, and um, oh, that must you know, have been a thrill. And a lot of these Surrey players who who played at the Oval were England players as well. So it was mm. a, a very different environment. It's a bit it, like going to Man United, isn't it? Absolutely. You know, I was given a sponsored car. I was given a house. Mm. I mean, there was money, you know, sponsorship thrown away. And that was when the time when cell phones or mobile phones were just coming in. and Those bricks, we got to, those mo- Motorola's. Yeah, we, yeah, those flip-top <laughs> Motorola's. Right. We, we got to deal with Orange. And, you know, so it was... Pretty it was, glamorous. Yeah, it was yeah. really glamorous. And, uh, it, yeah, it was, it was great fun. Great so fun. then, uh, when you, you know, I guess when we look at your career, you, you had some high points. You know, but you're always sort of struggling to break through, mm. through injury problems and just to get through a very competitive kind of environment. Yeah, less so injury. It was more about self-belief, actually. I, mm. you know, I had all the tools to do really to go great guns. And one day I'd have a great game and I'd get five wickets and, mm. and you know, smash everybody out of the park. The next day, so I, I had these huge highs and lows of self-belief and um, uh, which I, I, I always struggle with during my career. And, and I think why I don't play cricket anymore. I do coach it, but I don't play it because I don't want to put myself through that emotional roller coaster of, of knowing that I can play really, really well, but actually not being able to transfer that into a performance. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was less injury. I knew I had everything to do really well, but I struggled with uh, self-belief, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's interesting, isn't it? Because now you're a successful broadcaster and that's very important to have self-belief to do that kind of job. So what, what changed for you and how did you decide on your next career? Well, the self-belief, yeah, and, and that's the way I can't really, I, I, I look at it and I look at my cricket career and I look at my broadcasting career and I have utmost self-belief in, in what we do. Of course, we question our performances when we're course, on air yeah. in, the, in the radio studio or on TV or... And we look back and we, we do question it. But, but um, I, it's probably just a maturity. I'm just older mm-hmm. and I, you know, I understand life a bit better. So how did I transfer from cricket into broadcasting? Well, I uh, came out of cricket in the year 2000. I got a job through kind of nepotism, a, a friend of mine whose wife just happened to own a media agency in London. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I started a kind of graduate scheme. I left I left cricket and then went up to London. You're and only 27, 28 at that time. Yeah, so it was, and, yeah. you know, what kind of age and state were you in then? I mean, what kind of maturity did you have? Uh, well, I'm still totally immature, Jason. As you, as you, yeah. <laughs> well, we all are. <laughs> That's right. Um, I think I um, physically I I, I I kind of grow, but you know mm. certainly mentally I regress. <laughs> I'm probably about as a 14 or 16 year old boy at the moment. But um, yeah, I I I got a, a job as a media buyer in London, and I was terrible at it. And then I met my now wife, who suggested that I try and get back into broadcasting. I'd done a little bit of broadcasting. So I would spend my summers in England playing cricket, and then I would mm. spend the Southern Hemisphere summers in South Africa or Australia yes. playing cricket there. You're in Tasmania playing, in Australia, aren't you? Yeah, mm. playing my trade there. Um, so I'd done a little bit of broadcasting in South Africa, um, and my now wife suggested back then in 2000, 2001, that I try my hand once again. It'll be a long road, but let's go for it kind of thing. And having had an international or a professional sports career, how much respect do you have for the elite athletes now when you're mm. on the other side of things as a broadcaster and reporter and correspondent for Fox Sports Asia? 
Huge respect. I, I think I see or I view them differently because I've been in the same game as them. Sure, I might not have achieved the heights of a Roger Federer mm. or a, you know, Usain Bolt, but I've still been a professional athlete and I know what they go through physically and mentally. And, you know, we all question ourselves. We all have highs of low esteem and, and highest, or, you know, we all mm. have self-belief issues as well. But So I think it helps me. I, I've maybe asked them slightly different questions. Um, as you know, we all have to do our homework, but I think I maybe come across to them slightly differently, having, mm. you know, and once they know that I've been an athlete as well, mm. it maybe it makes them feel a, uh, maybe a little bit more comfortable. I, I don't know, but um, I certainly think it, it, it's a benefit um, in what I do now. And being now in your mid 40s with three kids, uh, an active life, uh, the physical side of things like we see on social media, just how active you are in the mm. gym and. So do you think that's part of who professional athletes are or is it just uh, you at the moment? Uh, I think it's important. We are in the business of, uh, to put it bluntly, we're in the business of looking good as well. So it's important that we as broadcasters and presenters keep ourselves fit and we look good on air or in a radio studio, wherever it is. And I think me mentally, I need to train. I used to do it every day of my life for 12 years. So I think it's very important that I maintain I keep the endorphins coursing through my veins and, and uh, you know, it sets you up for a good day. And I, I go hard. I don't spend hours in the gym. I do a 20-minute session with Ritual. Um, and it's high intensity, but it, uh, it keeps burning the fat throughout the day. And, it, you know, and it, it becomes part of routine. Yeah. And routine is key. Mm. If you've got a good, successful routine going Keep it going. Don't mm. break away from that routine. You know. And when you look back now on your, your cricket career with your mid-40s brain and maturity, do you have any regrets? Do you wish, oh, I, I wish I knew about that then? Yes, I do have regrets. Uh, it, it's purely that self-belief thing. But I think self-belief actually comes from damn hard work. If you know you've done the hard work and you know that your competitor or a person who's vying for your position in the team has not done the hard work, then there you go. You, mm. You've got confidence already. Um, do I have any more regrets? No, I don't. I don't have any regrets. I mean, I'm I'm very lucky in what I'm doing now. I think uh, my my life as a cricketer has has kind of given me a good grounding for broadcasting as well. So, um, no, I, I look back at it with great fondness. When I left cricket and went into media buying, one of the guys said to me, he said, "Why are you so down on yourself? You have done for twelve years what three hundred people in in the in the country do." And when he put it like that, it was like you know what? He's got a point. I should be pretty proud of the fact that I've, sure, I didn't do incredible things at cricket, but I still was a professional sportsman for 12 years on the bounce. And that's something that only 300 people in England do. Uh, when he put it like that, it was like, Meh, he's got a point. He's got a point. <laughs> no, I, I can relate. As an amateur sportsman, anyone that's made the elite level, we respect. Uh, so, Jason De La Pena, many thanks uh, for being my guest here on Weekend Mornings. It's good to have another JD here in the studio. There's a, there's a show there, the JD JD <laughs> Show or the Jason Jason Show. Jason, thank you very much. Thanks, man.